This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the second half of the year. And it, this is our July 2nd, 2018 edition of Invest Talk. And I know the first half of the year did fly by, and uh, probably the second half will do the same. Uh, but we're going to do our best to help you understand the current market conditions and where you should be making uh, adjustments to not only your portfolio, but your financial life in general. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and we know that excitement is building for most families as they plan to spend time relaxing over the 4th of July holiday. So do you consider yourself a serious investor? Now, maybe you are, uh, and only now unfilled time, and you want to get your daily learning. Remember that Invest Talk, the radio program, will continue. Podcast and website will be available 24-7. So if you want to uh, spend some downtime getting up to speed on what's going on uh, in the market and how to make better investment decisions, that's certainly uh, a good time or a good place for you to do that. Now, our job each and every weekday is to answer your calls, and our lines are open for your calls at 888 chart Now, speaking of investing and where you decide to put your money, once again, the digital currency phenomenon is going through bust phase, really, uh, and... You know, I'll compare and contrast headlines in a few minutes, and it should give you some pause just about the industry in general. And I've, you know, I've talked about it for a while, but uh, this is, should be a lesson for all of you. And but what, you know, we're gonna jumpstart the program with some questions from you, our listeners. And here comes proof that people routinely call anytime and leave questions on our anytime line, eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey, Steve or Justin. My name is Ben from San Jose and just had a quick question about what you would recommend for using for a down payment. So I'm 22 years old and I would be looking at purchasing a house in around five years or around 27. And this is a down payment for a house. I have about half of the money in a Roth IRA and then another half in a taxable account. And so my question is, would you go ahead and use the Roth IRA for first time home purchase use? Or would you save the Roth IRA for maybe education or retirement down the road and just go ahead and use the taxable account since it will only have around five years to go and the taxes will be relatively low? Look forward to hearing your response on the podcast. Thanks. Well, I definitely say any any home you purchase should be a 20% down payment. Uh, I think the fact that the market has been re- is relying on Fannie Mae and, Fr- and Freddie Mac giving out 3% down mortgages and things like that are is just an unsustainable uh, endeavor, uh, an unsustainable environment. Uh, and you kind of saw that with the last housing crunch, right? So I think you should put 20% down now. You, you want to you obviously avoid taking any money out of your Roth, uh, 401k, any other, any tax deferred account to do it. Um, so I would just be patient uh, and try to save as much in a, in a taxable account and use that as your down payment. You know, if, if, if you get a great deal and, you know, something magical appears that really fits exactly what you want and you need to dip into your tax deferred accounts, okay. 
but don't be thinking that is a source uh, of, of your of your down payment unless, like I said, it's something just the opportunity that doesn't come around very often actually hits you in the face and you have to do it, okay, but otherwise I wouldn't go down that route. Thanks for the call. Now even conservative investors might be tempted yet again to dabble in digital currencies even though we have already mentioned its risks on the program. I've talked about this for the past six months or so and I bring this up because there's a roller coaster of news headlines in recent days talking about the cautious story when it comes to cryptocurrencies uh, from investor.com rising from the crypto Bitcoin rebounds from 2008 lows uh, so think you know it's, it's rising a little bit uh, and talking about it's recovering to some degree it's it, it's it's rallying um, but all bear markets have rallies of some kind uh, and this always goes back down back to what are the fundamentals this is why we talk about the fundamentals. This is why when someone calls about a stock, you talk about its earnings and its, uh, it, its strength of its balance sheet, its strength of its brand, and its, uh, its competitive advantages and things like that. Uh, the same goes for any type of So the U.S. dollar is backed by the largest economy in the world. Uh, the, there's a reason why the Venezuelan currency... Uh, I don't know if it's the peso, I think it's the peso, uh, that, that's fallen so dramatically because of the political instability, the economy there is so weak. So those are kind of the, the dichotomy on the currency front. And cryptocurrency is designed, was thought to be, or is thought to be, uh, uh, a replacement for fiat currency. And I certainly understand the, the issues with fiat currency uh, when it comes to central banks and money printing. But if you instead of buying the hype you actually understood it right you understood the technology the usability the the the, the supply of it uh, in relation to what kind of the headlines were or what the the people who espouse cryptocurrencies uh, say you'll under you'll understand the flaws in underneath uh, cryptocurrencies and that's why they've fallen out of bed Right, uh, and yeah, I, I compared it very similar to the dot-com bubble, and the dot-com bubble was driven by the Fed's money printing, and this uh, was even more of an extreme uh, Fed and central bank money printing uh, byproduct. Say that. So, don't think that this is uh, much different. Uh, it's very similar to you know the pets.com of the world back in 2000, uh, and there's 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 always hype around assets that are going up in value. And but the fact that they're going up in value isn't the only reason why you should be buying something. It's uh, you have to find an underlying, sustainable reason why that's happening. So, you know, welcome to the wild, wild west of investing. And for this reason and many others, Steve and I urge listeners to use caution with digital currencies and remind our clients. That at KPP Financial, we practice parallel investing where our money rides along with yours. We win when you win. So yes, we take great care in recommending investment strategies and understanding the deeper fundamentals of the market, not just, oh, what happened the last six months or the last year, something like that. What is sustainable long term? But now I invite you, your financial and investing questions using our anytime listener line. So give us a call. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART.
uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, today we're going to talk about tax refunds. Uh, tax refunds next year are going to go up big, about 26%. Uh, I'm going to talk about why and why that's actually not really a good thing. Okay, So we're going to get into that. I also want to discuss the economic trajectory, consumer spending, and what that looks like uh, going into the back half of the second quarter, and what that looks like for uh, the uh, the GDP print for the second quarter. And I think that's going to be very important to understand where we're headed. And then Tesla. I've talked many times about how much of a fraud Tesla is. Uh, they had their uh, production numbers come out today, but they were obviously doing their best to make it look fantastic. And I'm going to talk a little about why it's not nearly as good as the headline and why it just continues their rampant string of lies that uh, really cover up uh, the disaster that is underneath the actual uh, management of the company. So I'm going to talk a little about that. And then lastly, why the tech sector has contributed all of the stock market gains so far this year. The market's not up much so far this year, but the actual gains all come from the tech industry. I'm going to talk about why that is and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for making time for Invest Talk on this busy pre-holiday Monday. And if, you're lis if you listen on a regular basis, you likely hear a pattern in our presentation, straightforward information with unbiased analysis. And it is by design. Steve and I do our best to make the complex simpler to understand. It's never going to be super simple, but we try to make it more simple uh, than it looks. And we always appreciate your input. So give us a call now. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's on your mind, whether it's about uh, the economy, the market, uh, anything po political, uh, you know, in relation to the uh, economy. Could be an individual stock, a sector, etc. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. Talk. July is here, the fourth is two days out, and you've got investments to make while well, you can still find the time to get it done. So, Justin's here to answer your questions. 888-99-CHART. Now let's get back to our main talking point, and that is about tax refunds and the tax refunds are set to go up uh, and next year uh, and the main reason is because is obviously the tax breaks came into uh, effect starting in 2018 that were passed late last year and this is going to be a boon for incomes uh, however most people aren't going to see that income until next year right because they uh, are likely not going to change their deductions from their paycheck. And so most people uh, are going to, either they didn't get a refund last year and they're going to get one next year, or they're just going to get a bigger one because uh, most people aren't going to change their deductions. But it's actually not a bad thing. 
or that's uh, sorry, that's not a good thing if you're getting bigger deductions, bigger uh, refunds, because you are basically lending money to the government for free, and that's money that you could be using to maybe pay down debt, uh, use as an emergency fund, uh, maybe using it to invest and making money on on your money. Obviously, it's a dang, it's a risky environment to, to operate in, but it's money that you could use elsewhere much better than sitting in government coffers. So it's probably best if you reassess your withholdings from your paycheck, especially if you got a refund. You just probably filed taxes a couple months ago. You got if you got some sort of refund, why don't you reduce your withholdings a little bit, especially if you're you don't see your tax situation changing much from year to year. Now, obviously, there are some deductions that went away and, and, and aren't going to be there, so you have to be careful, and you probably want to talk to your accountant uh, a little bit. But it doesn't make sense to get this big refund early next year on money that you really should have earned or should have received. You did earn it. You should have received many, many months beforehand. So uh, this is a good, you know, we're halfway through the year. You might want to increase your, or sorry, decrease your withholdings uh, that go, that come from your paycheck so that you aren't lending money for free to the government. So that's a, a big news that I think will benefit everybody and everybody should be at least somewhat happy about. Now let's, uh, where are we going to? Let me ask you a question. We, where were you, where are you going to be on the 4th? Are you going to be in your backyard, maybe friends and with friends and family, traveling perhaps, maybe volunteer somewhere? And the fourth is just two days away, so now is a good time for, for you to get me your financial questions and talk about your concerns. Like I said, halfway through the year, good checkup mark uh, for 2018. You can call me now at 888-99-CHART. doing as well as it could, as well as it should? If you think not, or if you're unsure, you should register for a no-cost portfolio review conducted by Talk's Steve Peasley. The date will be July 18th, and Steve will be making a limited number of one-on-one appointments. It's all happening in San Jose. That's July 18th. You want to get in on the opportunity? Start at investtalk.com where you register for your free portfolio review. And now, back to your calls, 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Bob from Michigan. Uh, just calling about your outlook on the position Cigna. That's uh, symbol CI. Thank you very much. Bye. All right, he's looking at Cigna Healthcare. And uh, I don't think anybody needs needs me to tell you what they do, but they provide managed healthcare services through HMO, PPOs, uh, and they have about 15.8 million members. This is a company who benefited strongly from Obamacare, right? The the the, the healthcare companies pretty much wrote Obamacare. Uh, their their lobbyists are strong, and they they got a lot of the things they wanted through, and uh, the end of the mandate for people to purchase insurance, I think has really hit the sector as a whole. 
revenues are up 9% year over year. Earnings are up 48% year over year. So uh, certainly strong growth trajectory, but you have a, about a 25, it's off about 25% from its 52-week high, which is at about $227 a share. And now we're at $169 a share at the close today. Relative strength 31, meaning uh, it's only beating about 31% of the stocks over the past uh, 50 days or so in the market. And does not pay a dividend, $41 billion market cap. Let me look at some of its deeper figures. The, thing, the main thing I don't like about it is the chart is absolutely terrible. Uh, it, it's, it's sold off from early part of this year into March, April time frame, and has just gone sideways. And what we call that is bearish consolidation. Bearish consolidation. And if uh, you're watching on the uh, YouTube live stream, you will see a chart that I'm going to bring up uh, in relation to that move and why it looks like bearish consolidation. So I, I really don't like that. I, I don't like the, the look of it. It just, uh, any, anytime there's a big down move and it just kind of chops sideways for a long period of time, it tells me that it's gaining energy to make another down move. Now, does that mean it's a bad long-term buy? You know, not necessarily. Uh, a lot probably depends on how the Obamacare uh, evolves, things like that. But it, it's certainly not cheap. Uh, it's I'm trying to find its ratios, but uh, I'm not getting a lot on my system. Uh, but overall, I just don't like it. It's uh, it's it's broken down considerably. Bearish consolidation, like I said, it's not super cheap by any measure. Even though return equity is 19%, I like that. Uh, but I just don't like it, to be frank. No dividend. 888.99 chart, 888.992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's talk a little bit about, let's talk about Tesla. Uh, Tesla had its uh, its burst week last week trying to produce 5,000 Model 3s in the week, which you know they kind of promised. Uh, and they came out with a statement and it was more misleading investors, you know, I think flat out lying to investors. Uh, they called it factory gating, which I, I don't know what that means. Uh, there's never really been a precedent for what that means. Uh, it basically means that uh, they fudge the numbers and they use their own metric and kind of said whatever they want to, which is kind of what Tesla does and why they're an SEC investigation and why they have so many problems going on uh, with the company and bankruptcy is, you know, kind of uh, going to happen. Um, and I think the uh, a telltale sign is that they're asking, not only are they producing cars in tents, which is uh, in and of itself a, a laughing uh, stock endeavor, uh, but they're asking reservation holders to not only configure their cars, Right, that they they have on order, uh, but also pony up under twenty five hundred dollars, which makes that total thousand dollars plus twenty five hundred uh, non refundable, and doesn't give them a timeline of when they are going to get their car, uh, and their subsidy uh, uh, of about seventy five hundred dollars is going to expire at the earliest, the end of this year. So, you know, you could put down your deposit and. You know, you might not get your car until 2019, and you lose out on uh, half of that subsidy because it's going to decline in the first part of next year 
to 3750 from 7500. Uh, so it just gives a lot of murkiness, and it just shows that Tesla can't raise capital. Uh, they can't. Uh, they they are after cash. They need cash badly. Big reason why they laid off workers, uh, why they have multiple tax uh, liens, both federal and state, uh, on them. They have uh, mechanics liens on uh, the company from unpaid uh, unpaid contractors that they haven't paid. Uh, there's there, that's why there's a massive exodus of executives coming from the company because uh, they see the writing on the wall. They know what's going to happen, and you know uh, the the their press releases can be as manipulative and sneaky as they want to be but the end result is they can't raise capital unless it's some you know white knight crazy you know crazy investor who doesn't investigate what tesla is um and so ignore this uh and to me actually this whole release just tells me things are even worse than imagined uh because of how much they had to fudge the numbers and you know uh really engineer this financially engineer this number uh and make it look like things are all hunky-dory when in reality they're up you know a creek without a paddle now who wants to know what we plan to talk about tomorrow okay then we're gonna talk or make a mental note we're gonna talk about american families are feeling the pain of higher oil prices our invest talk podcast continues one of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial. You are an investor, and you naturally want to grow and protect your money. KPP can help with that. They offer a variety of special programs, and one will be best suited for your investor risk tolerance. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. Even better, contact Steve or Justin through a message on investtalk.com. And right now, give us a call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Sam in San Francisco. How are you doing, Sam? I'm doing good. Uh, I was calling you about uh, Fizz, National Beverage Company, F-I-Z-Z. I was looking to add some, just wanted to get your input on it. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, this is the company uh, that makes what's their what's their biggest product? Do you know? Lacroix, the, uh, La- the carbonated water. Yeah, there we go. Lacroix. Yeah, Lacroix. Yeah. Um, Lacroix, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So uh, that's uh, become a popular beverage, uh, low calorie, and you know has some taste to it, and. I know that's uh, certainly g- gaining interest. Uh, it's 
and the revenues are reflecting that. Uh, over the past two years or so, revenue growth has averaged in the high teens, quarter over quarter, year over year. And earnings are up 22% this year, or su supposed to be up 22% this year, 17% next year. They do not pay a dividend. It's at a $5 billion market cap. So uh, it's certainly not a small company anymore. And last, let me see, last, uh, last month, last quarter, they did about a quarter of a billion dollars in sales. So they do about a billion dollars a year in revenue. So it's trading at about five times revenue. Not exactly super cheap. Uh, enterprise value to EBIT is about 22. Definitely on the expensive side. Uh, so I don't like that. Operating to earnings yields about 4%. So from a valuation perspective, it, it looks, uh, I would say, slightly overvalued. Uh, on a technical basis, it's really been consolidating uh, here in the around the 80 to 100 dollar, 120 dollar range. You know, it's 52 week high is 130. Now it's at 108. Uh, it's been pretty much uh, about you know, 85 to 130 uh, ever since early 2017. So about a year and a half. So nice bullish consolidation pattern. I like that. Um, you know, it's it's a growth name. This is a growth company looking to continue to increase its revenue is is the fad of LaCroix going to fall a little bit uh, I don't know it's hard that's hard to predict um, but there's certainly some risk to it because of valuation you know this type of name where if they come out with er earnings and revenue only grew say 12% and earnings only grew 15% it would probably fall 20%, uh, you know, in, after earnings. So, you know, it's a growth name that needs to sustain its its, its trajectory. Now, its earnings ha growth has has decelerated. It was going up 30, 60% year over year. Last quarter was only up 26%. Okay, so certainly, excuse me, certainly uh, that's that's the biggest worry for me. Uh, what do you own it? Are you looking to buy it? What is it? I'm looking to buy it and uh, just trying to figure out what the good entry point would be. It's consolidating quite a bit for last year. Yeah, uh, I would think you know anything below about a hundred dollars a share. I think would be a good entry point. Uh, you know, it's rallied a little bit over the past uh, month or so, uh, and it's a, I would say it's a little bit overbought, um, but it's also come back in the last uh, few days, right? So uh, anything around the $100 mark, I think, would be a good entry point uh, overall. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. Thanks for, the, thanks for the call, Sam. Let's go to Dan in San Diego. How you doing, Dan? Good, Justin. Good to talk to you. Uh, I'm calling about Buckeye Partners, BPL. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Medium-sized company. Its chart looks like it's kind of a falling night for the last two years. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, mm -hmm. which makes the yield look really good at about 14%. So wondering uh, mm -hmm. what kind of uh, numbers you have looking forward for it. Well, are you, this is a master limited partnership engaged in the wholesale distribution and transportation of refined petroleum products. So it's your, your kind of standard MLP that moves oil and natural gas and, and things like that around the, the U.S., are you familiar with the, the, the ruling and the changes to the Master Limited Partnership structure? Yeah, that just came out in February. Yeah, it was earlier this year. I don't. I can't remember exactly the month, but February sounds yeah, about right. Um, so that's yeah. yeah. So that's certainly going to change the way 
these master limited partnerships are treated from a tax perspective. Uh, and so many of them, I think, are going to likely turn back into corporations. Uh, and their earnings and cash flow structures are going to be greatly impacted. Uh, it, it's certainly a complex a calculation and, and to be honest with you each one is going to have different pros and cons of whether they want to turn into a corporation from a, a limited partnership some may stay some might move uh, it, it's going to be up to management and their calculations and to be frank uh, once again each one's going to have their own uh, but the odds are that 14 and a half percent dividend is likely going to fall uh, they're going to reduce their dividend to some degree so I would have to look into this a little bit more um, if you want me to do a little more research, you can shoot me an email and I could do a little deeper research on this one specifically and if they're going to move into a corporate structure. Uh, if so, what's that dividend going to look like, etc. But this is one of those deep dives and you don't really want to be relying on that 14.5% dividend and the chart is telling you that. Uh, you know, with oil prices going up, you would think this would be, you know, in, a, in an uptrend, but it's not because of the ruling and the issues around the sector. And frankly, um, many of them have a lot of debt. And uh, BPL, Buckeye Limited pa uh, Partners, is is uh, is no exception. Uh, it's a five billion dollar market cap where they have enterprise value of ten billion, meaning they have five billion uh, in debt on their balance sheet, net debt on their balance sheet. So they're uh, the, the issues that are starting to creep up in the debt markets are going to and will affect uh, this company. So it's certainly not a name that I would uh, I could give you a solid answer on yet. It's definitely a deep dive type of thing, and I'd be happy to help you with that uh, if you email me off air. Well, I appreciate your offer, but uh, I think you gave me the right answer. And I uh, just better wait until they come out with more information. Thank you very much. That's on. No problem, Dan. Thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, the master limited partnership industry or the, the sector right now is, is certainly up in the air with this uh, tax change. And once again, it's going to be a process to understand how this is going to really affect each and every company. I'm Justin Klein, and I have a feeling that a Good. Many of you are loyal Invest Talk listeners, so thank you. But for those of you who are new to Invest Talk, I do want you to know that Steve Peasley and I put a lot of effort into producing this radio program each and every weekday. And we make it available over AM radio in San Francisco, Bay Area on KDOW and via internet live streaming as well as archive podcasts uh, at investtalk.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. And we do it for you. We invite your participation now at 888-99-CHART. On the radio or via podcast, Invest Talk is a place to discover market insight from Steve and Justin. On radio, podcast, or the web, Invest Talk is also your anytime resource for learning about the complex variables affecting your ability to attain financial success. Listen to hear tips on how to find a great stock or an explanation of more broadly tailored financial planning strategies. InvestTalk consistently provides independent investment advice. Bookmark it now, investtalk.com. Have you got questions? The listener lines are open. We're taking your calls live, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's talk a little about the markets. And uh, we, you know, we went through the first half of the year, 
and the S&P was up a little bit less than 2% uh, for the first half of the year. But those gains are really thanks to only two sectors of the market, and that's technology and consumer discretionary. Consumer discretionary is really only up because of Amazon. And so information technology, in fact, accounted for 102% of the year to date gains as of Friday. And if you both the, the IT and consumer discretionary sectors are up nearly 11% year to date. But if you look at all the other sectors, uh, industrials, consumer staples, financials, etc., uh, it shows you that the underlying strength of the market is definitely weak. And then if you look at the foreign markets, it's much, much weaker. The non-U.S. markets fell 6.7% in the first half of the year. Now, a lot of that has to do with the strong dollar, right? The depreciation of uh, foreign assets certainly is a headwind to uh, the, the, the foreign markets. But if you just look at, like I said, industrials, consumer staples, financials, sectors that you would think would benefit from tax cuts, benefit from a quote-unquote strong economy, the underlying strength is is not really there. Uh, and to me, if you, or if you look, growth the growth index is nearly up 8% year-to-date, while the value index is down 1.5%. Now, that's starting to tr change a little bit recently as uh, kind of the, 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 the growth names are, are faltering a little bit while value is starting to get better. But that only just started. Uh, so for the, the f first half of the year, uh, it really was, once again, growth-focused. But as the Fed increases quantitative tightening, as central banks uh, globally reduce stimulus, this is pulling liquidity out of the market. And this is why you're seeing dollar strength, you're seeing weakness uh, in the global indexes. And really, if you look at kind of the global index as a whole, we've started to enter a downtrend, a downtrend, not just a sell-off, but if you if you start from you know the peak in January, you know we had the sell-off into February, March, and then we had a little bit of a rally. Some index did better than others, but overall we remain in a, a relatively weak market. Now we're expecting rallies. We expect a kind of a back half uh, rally, back half of the second half uh, into the fourth quarter to be kind of a more positive than the third quarter. Uh, but this is a market that you should understand is going through a transition. Uh, it's why you're seeing more volatility and why you just become a stock picker's market. I know that is cliche, uh, but that's how it is. Uh, the, the general indexes, general uh, economically sensitive stocks are starting to trend downward. And that is a big worry because it really uh, portends to a weaker economy in the second half of the year. Now let's go to Farhan in San Jose. How you doing, Farhan? Hi, I'm good. Uh, thank you for your show. Really love it. Uh, I had a question on the treasury bills. So I have a Roth IRA um, that uh, mm -hmm. I have with Merrill Edge. They do not provide any kind of um, the Roth IRA doesn't provide any uh, sweep functionality like a money market account or anything. So when I have cash sitting there, mm -hmm. it's just sitting there. Mm -hmm. um, is it um, so? What I was thinking of was, uh, I see these treasury bills which are like maturing in a month or in two, or three months. Uh, can mm -hmm. those be used as a proxy for just storing money? 
Certainly they can. Uh, obviously, it locks your your money up a little bit. Uh, the the and the yields are going to be still relatively low, even though you know rates are much higher. What what are the yields now uh, on a two or three month treasury bill? Um, so uh, I see the uh, three month at about two percent. Okay, two percent. Really, that seems a little high. Um, but I can. Let's see. I'm I'm trying to bring it up right here. Uh, one month Treasury rate. Let's take a look at that. Uh, yeah, one point seven seven percent. So yeah, I could see that for for a few months being close to that two percent mark. Uh, that's there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know what the trading costs are uh, over there. Uh, many times when you are buying bonds, you're paying some sort of what is called a spread. And so I don't know how much of a spread you you would be uh, paying on that. So the cost of those those trades might be a little high. Uh, I, I would I would look at maybe moving your money to the place where it has higher uh, higher rates. You know, there's definitely money market accounts yielding higher than that. I'm seeing two 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 and a quarter on on some money market accounts. Uh, now the, the logistics of that might be difficult, but also the logistics of buying short-term treasuries uh, can be difficult uh, depending on your broker. So you have to look into that. But I you know I don't I don't hate it as a as a as an alternative to kind of your your money market that they're paying. Do you know what their rate is that they're paying? Um, so in my regular in my regular brokerage, it's about 1.87. But I was told that in my Roth IRA as well as my uh, I have consolidated all of my holdings with Merrill Lynch. Um, so mm -hmm. they they do not provide any uh, money market feasibility in both the Roth and the tax deferred accounts. Really? So I don't know if that is. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if that is. That's atypical. That's atypical. That's def. Yeah, that's definitely atypical. Um, you know, I. I'm not a big fan of Merrill, to be frank. Uh, you know, I would be. Uh, we use TD Ameritrade. Uh, you know, I would. I would look at Fidelity, E Trade, other type of uh, uh, of companies as well, because uh, I think I know you can get a lot better. Um, fees tend to be a lot lower at those firms uh, than at, at at a Merrill or a Morgan or something like that. Um, so I would definitely look into uh, another place for those uh, type of accounts. I just sent to Merrill Lynch because I had this offer of um, some n number of trades that are free per month, and I don't trade at all. So I just like okay, this, this mm. sounded like a good thing. Um, but sure, understood. I'll look into it. Thank you, though. Okay, thanks for the call, Farhan. Now it's hard to believe, but the Fourth of July holiday, America's birthday, is almost here. But now we've got ten minutes left in the program. So if you're going to call, you want to do it ASAP because we're going to break, and it's going to cut into about three minutes of that. So let's talk about how to grow your money. Get your calls in now at 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, American families are feeling the pain of higher oil prices. You'll learn more and why tomorrow. But now, Justin is ready and he's waiting for your calls. He'll have answers to your financial questions. The lines are open, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Jonathan in San Jose. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. What can I do for you? Yeah, I had a quick question for you. Um, so I'm reading a lot online about, you know, 2020, I think, uh, 50% of economists said that they think we're headed towards another recession. And um, 
I just wanted to just kind of see. I have a rental property, and uh, there's a ton of equity just sitting there. Um, where do you kind of see the real estate market headed? Um, I know we're there's a lot of talk, it seems, on Main Street and stuff about just, you know, we're due for another correction. I'm wondering if I should take that money out and uh, reinvest it. What, what would you do? Well, first I would need to know a little bit more specifics uh, about your your rental property. So I, I don't want to sit here and, and give you exact uh, advice just on that because I like to understand your situation, your goals, you know, renters, etc., and the market uh, uh, for that. So we can certainly talk off air uh, if you would like and shoot me an email. Go to investtalk.com, hit contact Justin, and I can we can open up that dialogue. But uh, when it comes to the real estate market in general, you know, we are telling clients that if you're looking to sell, you want to do it sooner rather than later. A uh, and and B, you know, I do think the recession is coming. I actually think it's probably coming more late 2019 uh, and as early as early 2019. Uh, I don't think it'll happen this year, but I think sometime in 2019 there will be a recession. Now, the housing market is slower to react. You know, it's not like the equity markets. Equity markets are starting to price in the recession, right? The bear market is looks to be uh, in its early stages right now, uh, but the the, the real estate market, it tends to roll over a lot slower, right? The, 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 the peak was 2015, right? Or 2005, excuse me, back during the, the last boom. And it really didn't roll over until 2007, eight real hard, right? So it, it's usually a lag effect. Um, and I think it won't be the epicenter. Uh, like it was last year, last uh, recession. I think the epicenter will be more corporate bond related, more corporate related based on debt uh, and, and bad borrowing and bad lending there. Um, so it, it will be, there will be a byproduct of a weak real estate market. How weak, once again, goes to what the area your rental is in, what the price point is, etc. Okay. All right. That, that answered my does question. It, that was very helpful. And I think probably what I'll do is just shoot you a line, uh, shoot you an email offline and just yeah. share a little more. Yeah, share, share a little more, you know, what's the rental, what's the value, what's the uh, equity you have, etc. And then we can go from there and I can give you a little bit more targeted advice. Thanks for the call, Jonathan. Let's go to Will in San Diego. How you doing, Will? Oh, pretty good, Justin. Hey, listen, um, how do you see the refiners going forward? Uh, given the price of oil seems to be inching up. Well, I actually, I actually kind of like the refiners in the the short to medium term. Uh, I think the the economy it will be strong enough for the the rest of the year. Uh, f and the crack spread, the difference between the uh, uh, cost of refining and the the sale price of, of gasoline, uh, is 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 increasing. And so that has been a positive. That's going to be a positive for refiners. Uh, it's certainly going to be very volatile. You know, where we are maybe 18 months from now, I think it'll be very different than where we are maybe three to six months from now. So it depends on your time horizon. And you're looking at a stock like Valero, right? Right. And are you, you own it? Are you looking to buy it or what? Uh, no, I, I own it. And, but I, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I've gotten substantial upside, so I, I don't want to, you know, take too much of a chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's declined a little bit recently, right? Right. So that's my concern. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, I do think the uptrend will continue for a little bit, uh, simply because, like I said, the economy will be strong enough, the crack spreads are doing well, uh, it's pulled back to some support area. So uh, I'm not really worried too much about this move uh, that, that's, that's happened on the chart so far. Uh, you know what I would use? I would use the 100-day moving average. Or actually, this is what I used. I would use the 50-week moving average, which is basically equivalent to the 100-day. The 50-week moving average. If it closes two weeks in a row below the 50-week moving average, that's when I would sell Rolero or any other refinery. Thanks for the call, Will. That's it for today. Another Invest Talk radio show transmitted over the air, streamed on the web, and preserved in our podcast archives. Your questions made it all work, and I hope you're learning something today. And uh, I thank you and enjoy. And I hope you enjoy your evening. I'm Justin Klein. Steve Peasley will be here tomorrow. And the big holiday is Wednesday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for listeners to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are principals of Klein, Pavlis and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis & Peasley Financial, which retains all rights. 